0: You are listening to the Short Combos Podcast. That's when
1: we're live, as are we live now? Yeah, we're, we're live, we're live, we're, we're rocking and rolling. We're great, okay. Right, well, I'll do a quick intro. So, welcome to uh, this week's edition of uh, Short Combos. I'm Jason Cashman, uh, aka Warrior of Light.
0: Uh, this is as Miralai. Uh, whilst we're here, before we get to our special guest today who's waiting kindly in the wings, we are now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube and Anchor. So you can hear us, find us in loads of uh, different places. And we do have a special guest today. Uh, Mr Baker, would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Hi
2: hey guys, my name is Roy Baker. Um live in Ireland from Dublin. I have two children. I'm involved in the sport of kickboxing. Um, that's me.
1: That's a very, very modest uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, introduction. Uh, I, if I could take a moment, uh, I'd like to introduce Roy. Roy's a uh, very very, very good friend, a very close friend. Uh, he's been there a lot of times uh, when I've needed him. He's one of, one of those friends and, uh, for a better word, a real inspiration as well. So that, that's my introduction uh, for, for Roy. Uh, uh, as not everyone's going to be from the martial art alternative um, that's going to be joining us, so maybe you could just give a little bit of more of who, who Roy is.
0: Yeah, yeah so well, I think the oh. biggest place you'd know Roy from is from the Irish Open. So if anyone who doesn't know, and I'm sure Roy can fill us in more accurately than I can, uh, but Irish Open, I believe, is the biggest martial arts tournament currently. Yeah, it's, it's,
2: um, it's an event we've run for the last 28 years. And it's, um, it's an event run for a children's charity, the ISPCC. Um, I lead it, but I have a huge team behind me like Elaine, Ilya, Dara, Colin, Danny and Damien. I have a huge amount of, like you know, about one hundred and forty people behind the scenes that do all the work. I just stand at the front, do very little. Um, It's an event that we created a a long, long time ago because we didn't really have any events in Ireland, and I was fed up travelling abroad, and myself and one or two other fighters travelled a lot. So I tried to build something um, that was different, Um, and I think it is different because we run it. We run it for a charity, so it isn't financially driven, and we run it. the interest of the athlete so we always try and improve it and try and make changes each year to adapt it and to make it better for the athlete because it is ultimately centered around the athlete my entire actually it's a funny thing out of my kind of seven top people that run it with me five of them are former waco world or european champions so they are very much connected to the athlete so we we do it for that reason And and it is i think it's the biggest uh, fighting tournament in the world, we have we we capped the total numbers at four thousand. This year we were four thousand nine hundred and fifty-seven. Uh, sorry, three thousand nine hundred fifty-seven. Um so it's a big it's a big event, but it does a huge team behind that, of and which I'm just one one person. And is
1: also, uh, we have to mention the WACO uh, World President as well, and uh, thank you Roy for everything you do, the Irish Open all of that. So it's a treasure to be able to attend and all, all you do. Yeah, uh,
2: the, the, it's funny, JC, that that I took over the presidency of WACO at a time I didn't really want to take over the presidency of WACO, it was a little bit too early for me, um, for, for various, many, many personal reasons, including my students. Um, But unfortunately, I lost a really good friend of mine, Borislav Pelevic, who I was completely supportive of and who was a great man. And unfortunately, he died suddenly um, in October, uh, two years ago. And as a consequence of that, I had been doing a lot of the work in the background alongside Espen Lund, who was a key part of work, and a great man also. Um, But I was kind of naturally in succession for Borislav. Um, I went for the election. There was three people went for the election, which was nice to see that it's not just a done deal. But that's democracy. Um, and I won the election quite significantly. I think it took 97% of the votes, 65 countries out of 68 countries. Um, but it was humbling because I'm just a, I'm just somebody that took up this sport as a kid. Um, this sport has... Lots of people can say stuff, but this sport has fundamentally made me who I am today. Um, it's enabled me to do things I would never have been able to do otherwise. Um, it's brought me in a path in my life I never expected Um, and it gives back to me on a daily basis and it gives me an opportunity to teach kids that is that if you ask me why do I do all this incredible amount of work it's because I love my kids I see what it gave to me I want to give that to other children and make my community and that's the wider community of work a better place for kids and that's something that that as you get older because I'm 55 I'm becoming more focused on what I want to achieve in my life far more than I ever was and I was quite focused on competition and events and the tournaments but now it's about fulfilling things that I think will make, be, make a material difference not just for me but for the people that I care about and um, so it was. It took me on a new path something that was a little bit early for me but I think I've grown into it I've got a lot of support from the federations and, and I'm just a person that's been put in a job it's no different to anybody else's job it's just got a different role I've got different decisions to make, but in the end, it's just a job. You're
0: certainly the
1: right person for it, right? we were. uh, I've, I've called you in to uh come uh to chat with us today. I thought I'd uh, quickly explain uh, what it is. And for those of you who might be joining us on the first uh podcast, uh, as and I, uh, for as long as I can remember, we chat pretty much week on week. And uh, a little while ago, we said, oh man, we should we should record our chats because uh, maybe it gives someone insight. Maybe someone could give us insight a little bit more on what we're chatting about. And uh, basically, what how do we sum it up, as?
0: uh, conversations would be between friends. And for us, we call it uh, food for the soul, soul food. Uh, we always walk away from it feeling a bit more energized. I think it's, it's something about talking with people you feel are on the same frequency as you, uh, and they just kind of help build you up a little bit. So if you have a bad day or you have a bad week, I've always found if I stop and have a chat with someone like JC, it just resets my mind, puts me back into a good place. So uh, yeah. we're hoping we can just find more people uh, who kind of, you know, operate on a similar wavelength. Uh, Gemma Upfold famously said today that we're a couple of grumpy old men, uh, which I thought was real, real kind of a. So we, like last week I was uh, chatting
1: with Az and uh, we're living, you know, historic times certainly right now and uh, like, you know, we could go off on one about the uh, whole Covid, you can't not be a part of it right now, Uh, but a lot of the news and things is quite, for a better word, negative about it or, you know, it's not a great situation for everyone. I've asked uh, Az flipping it on the head last week if there's any uh, treasures that he's found, anything positive. That he's uh either found you know just in himself or looking forward he can see from this so uh where, where are you with this roy is it all just doom and gloom
2: or no no i mean there's there's positives in everything in life um and you've got to find those positives and act on them so it's easy to think of all the negatives on COVID, but i'll give you some positives in COVID. so as you know i'm a director of sse it's a big company so we've discovered that and it's like, you know, we have 20 plus thousand staff, we've discovered that it is possible to allow people to work from home. We would have been quite skeptical of that, Jay, of, of so many staff and call centers and billing and back end. We, we have done it, but not to the level we're doing it now. Now we're completely at home. So that's a positive. Um, that hasn't really been that way in Europe across the board, particularly with the large companies. So that's a positive for my staff, our staff, that they now have the opportunity on a long-term basis to work from home, bringing better work-life balance. Um, Another positive is I've connected with more people in the last 12 weeks than I have in the last three years. People that I haven't connected to in years, like you're on a group, JC, the the Hayashi team. Like I'm back talking with Corey, with Mark, with Chris, with Billy, even Danny, uh, Matt Winsborough. These are people that I I, have a huge affinity to, and we've reconnected again because we felt isolated and we've reached out to each other. The same with family. Um, I have a family, the Baker family, living down in Cork, living out different places. And we're more connected now because we've created uh, things like WhatsApp groups and video chats. And we're making efforts to to reconnect because you don't have that physical connection. And that's kind of reset the baseline for me. Um, I think I'm one of the most busiest lifestyles that I know of. and Between my job, teaching, and, and kickboxing as the president of WACO, president of Kickboxing Ireland, because um, Wacko isn't your job, is it?
1: I think a lot of people probably don't realise that. They no, didn't. it's a
2: volunteer job. So I, it, it's, it's something that I do as a volunteer. Yeah. Um, so it, it has made me, it, it's good for me in a healthy way because I haven't been travelling in the last 12 weeks and you know more than I do. to my travel schedule. I would have been in nine countries and three continents in the last 12 weeks. So I pretty much travel every single weekend, if not twice in a weekend. And then I travel to the UK as well for work sometimes. So for me, they're the positives. It's regrounded me. It's given me contacts with people I haven't spoken to in years. It's made me really think about family and friends and what's really important. And it does make you step back for a moment and think, because I'm very career conscious, I'm very driven. I'm very kind of focused on what I want to achieve. I'm, I'm the type of person that does diaries and sets tasks. And I really am a person that sets goals and I put limitations to my goals and I set time frames to my goals. And it's, it's kind of made me think, come on now. You know, you don't have to be driven all the time. You need space <laughs> to enjoy life. You need space to enjoy family. You need space to, I'll give you a little insight into me. I love gardening. I get that from my mom. My garden has never looked so good in this entire life. Um, so it's allowed me to reconnect in certain ways. And, and I miss other things. I miss, miss my colleagues and work. That is a big part of my life. You know, five days a week, eight to, eight to ten hours a day. So there are positives behind it. Um, but it has changed and i think it will continue to change the way we interact as humans and it's how we the important thing for me is how we approach it from a mental perspective with with a growth mindset because you can take you can take all the negatives and you can inverse yourself into into doubt about life society future and depression and mental stress is already a big part of of uh, a disruptive nature of covid19 and i think that's my biggest worry uh, it, I mean what's going on in the UK is terrible and across the world in Brazil now in America. Ireland's starting to come out of it now. We're we're on a second phase of, of step off or being very cautious. But when you see the impact that has on people's lives, it's it's extraordinary. And and, and, and you guys in the UK you're still in it. I think you're still in the storm. And whilst you're in the storm, it's important that you battle down the hatches and you remain positive because I think COVID nineteen as a virus is is devastating. But I think what is being underestimated is the mental stress that COVID-19 is causing to people in relation to engagement, human interaction, and their security of a job. And it's really to understand and have the ability to talk to people when these stresses come on, because when you have so much time on your hands, if you don't become active and set yourself schedules and paths on a daily basis, you can, you can look back in on yourself. And we all know when you do that, you can create more problems than you do solutions. And it's important that that mind that you have and that ability that you have that you put it to a positive output rather than a negative output. That's easier said than done. But the big issue is there's so much. It. I mean, I'm 55, so you know, but I'm very social media competent. It drives me mad the misinformation that goes through on social media. Yeah. And for me, it, it it's a great saying that I got from the CNN. I like looking at CNN. I find their 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 approach very balanced and very informative. And there's an ad they have on the moment, and just listen to this this is really important. It says, A virus needs a host, misinformation needs a host. Listen to the experts to eradicate both. Now, isn't that fantastic? That, that just yeah. says it. I could never put that together, but it's fact. Virus needs a host, misinformation needs a host. Listen to the experts, eradicate both. And that's what we all have to do as a society don't panic we will get through this i've never seen the world mobilized behind something like we have like this and i believe that we will come out of it. but i do believe we will have fundamental changes to society um going forward because this is this is a because i like i like reading a lot as you know jc and the difference with corona and 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 say sars is that when you got sars it knocks you to six you're in bed and there's a, I don't know, there's a, like a 60%, 70% probability that you're not going to survive. It's a very aggressive disease. The thing about corona, C, sorry, CV-19, is that it's very transmissible. And when you have it, some people don't even know they have it. Mm. So that means its, it's an infectious rate is much higher than most of the other very serious, very serious disease. And that's why it's unique. It's yeah, silent, it's
1: hidden, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, but again, I'll go back to the bit where you asked. You've got to turn the positives, and you've got to think of those positives. And you can't deal with the negatives. You can't push them all aside, but you've got to focus on the positives. And then if there's none, you've got to find them. You've got to reach out to somebody. You've got to talk to somebody that has a a place in your life where you will listen to them, and you take position on them, and you move forward. And and like you said, uh, sometimes you need to talk to somebody that gives you that restart button. And that happens to everybody. That happens to me. Like my restart button in my life is my daughter. You know, she's my she's the boss. She'll say, Dad, come on, dad. Blah 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 blah. And that resets me. And you know. Yeah. And my family, you know, it's it's um it's it's important, JC, to stay with the growth mindset. And the growth mindset is a very positive mindset. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we were saying the other week that it's far more easy to focus on the negative. It's like almost. The natural state, if you just don't think about it and you don't put any effort into it, you will just naturally drop into negativity and you have to make a bit of a conscious effort to be positive. You have to, you have to approach it with, with a bit of due diligence because it's very easy to slip into that negative mindset.
2: Yeah, like a, a negative mindset's infectious, a positive mindset's infectious. If you surround yourself with people with negative mindsets, you will over time what's happen. become a negative mindset. If you surround yourself people with positive mindset, now nobody can be positive all the time, but if you surround yourselves with them, you will have a propensity to be positive in life. Yeah, that that's sure. a really key factor in life. And I mean, we've all had struggles in our life. I've had some extraordinary struggles in my life, um, and I've got through them. And I've I've learned each time I've got through them, I've learned from them.
1: Yeah, I said to Az, uh the same, we're talking on the same thing last week. I probably wasn't as clear with uh, what I was kind of asking him, but uh, when we got round to it, he he said same as what he said. Time, I think, out of this COVID nineteen situation. Well, you you said it in last week, As.
0: Yeah, the, uh, yeah. The biggest treasure for me is is getting some time back, and like I think you were touching on it, Roy, where you said you realised everything doesn't have to be mega productive. Everything doesn't have to be necessarily goal driven and what's the next step and what's the next stage. You, we've been able, we've been gifted with the opportunity to take a step back and to kind of just just view the world moving a little bit slower than it normally is.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you, you change directory. You, you change it. Mm. Your, you're slightly changing your direction. you thought you were going to New York, but now maybe you're going to Moscow. You're changing your direction. <laughs> Yeah, you 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 are adjusting your life, and I think everybody's life will adjust it will be adjusted in the ne- over the next six months. Everybody, not just at a, a professional level, but at a personal level. I don't know where our sports are going to land up. I Don't know where we're going to have spectators again. You know, it's 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 it, it's a it's a momentous uh, challenge to society, but we find a way.
0: Yeah, that. the adaption's been very impressive, like, across the board, if you look at it from, from medicine to sports to news, everything, everyone's just had to adapt and overcome.
2: And, and look at the amount of people now who have done positive and, and the amount of movie stars and sports stars are running and helping, the, you know, the frontline workers. And, you know, we do forget, the frontline workers isn't just the NHS or the HSE here in Ireland. The frontline workers are your delivery drivers, mm. uh, your supermarkets, your cashiers. These people we only realise now are absolutely <laughs> crucial to our life. I mean, we were, we were all at the start of this scene the queues with 500 people standing outside Little.
1: Yeah.
2: That happened here because there was panic. Now, would you imagine if we weren't able to recover from that? You could go into some of those movies that we had years ago where you had 500 people raiding a, raiding a, a shopping centre for, for basic food. Mm. But thank God, society, communication, we've got everybody calmed calm down. We've got supply chains. They're not under stress. The farms are running. Processing plants are running, calm down. Because we are quite a reactive society. And and we we've come through that now. And it's 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 a testament to, to society in Ireland. I wouldn't if you asked me six months ago, could Ireland shut down, literally shut down for three months, and people comply with the regulations, I would have said, Not a chance. But we did. We did because we realized and our government realised health force, guys, the economy can be recovered. You lose somebody, you never get them back.
1: Yeah, health is the most important thing. Uh, Roy,
2: uh, looking behind you, I recall
1: when I was asked at your senior wall, we've got a few uh, new things uh, up on there. And
2: uh, a lot of those are
1: your uh, medals, aren't they? Uh, yeah, you won yeah I you.
2: Won a few, I've won quite a few world titles and European titles back when I was young, but a long time ago.
1: And, uh, I know a lot of people these days will know you as, you know, uh, the... the uh, you know, organiser, the event runner and everything else. I, I remember you mainly uh, as the fighter and uh, in any, every walk of life I think you've just been a brilliant uh, example of, uh, and for me myself, uh, inspiration as well, as a role model and a leader. Uh, where where in your life have you drawn
2: inspiration from? And, uh... Uh, the biggest inspiration in my life was my dad, um, Dave Baker. So for me, um, my dad was an extraordinary man. He's somebody that had um, qualities that I could never achieve. Um, he worked incredibly hard. Um, he had an extraordinary ability to declutter things. And, and when he talked, people listened. Like he was quite a social activist here in Ireland. He stood up, like I, I can remember as a child having the Prime Minister in my house, having the, the, the chairman of the Supreme Court in my house talking to my dad over a cup of tea. So he was, you know, he was one of those social. So for me, it was really my dad. I, I, my entire life I'm trying to live up to him. Unfortunately, he's gone since 1997. Um, but there's no question in my mind that the person I lived up to was my dad because his involvement with social responsibility, with the community, with me as a family, with my brothers, my sisters at like six, there's, there's, there's eight of us in the family um his commitment to us was i've never seen it in my life with anybody i'm sure there's lots of farmers out like that but he was quite an exceptional man he had a work ethic that was just incredible and he's just a good person all around jay so a lot of the stuff i do in my life um like i I'm chairman of of a, a large community center 37 acres i do that because of my dad uh, in memory of him um I do things like do breakfast for my entire family, 40 to 50 people on Christmas morning to get us all together, all the kids, the grandkids, the great-grandkids. And it's madness, but it's beautiful for my dad. and um, I organise a family yeah, barbecue every year over the August Bank holiday again. Hopefully we can do it this year. It's madness. And a lot of that is because of my dad and trying to live up to his expectations and um, trying to live up to his image. And it's a tough image to live up to. But he, he inspires me. And then I get inspiration. From I am I'm, I'm I have a huge appetite for reading, and I love quotations. I I you I, I really I really enjoy affirmations that can bring me out of dark positions or give me insight into some way I was traveling and I move. So, for me, I like reading. I like I really give like. A, give us a good
1: quote, then, bro. Have you got like a top um, one top three?
2: Your attitude determines your altitude in life. Or those that set goals, those that don't set goals normally get there very fast. Stuff like that. And Einstein's definition of madness, which I probably quote at least twice a day. <laughs> yeah, Doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result. So I love, I, I, read, a, I read a lot So I have a huge appetite for reading. And I have a huge appetite for learning. Um, I am dyslexic, which a lot of people go, what? I am dyslexic, so I, my brain is wired differently. Um, but I love reading, and the biggest inspiration is kind of my 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 my, my family, my dad. And now the inspiration in my life is seeing my kids grow up, my daughter, my son, seeing them becoming adults, seeing them get their own personalities—not my personalities. One likes kickboxing, one doesn't like kickboxing. That's life. Hmm. I don't push them into my road; they pick their own road. And all I want them to be is successful at whatever they want to do. And they are, they are, because in the end, Jay, when we go. When we pass away, great, I've achieved a bit in my life and I'm the president of WACO. But when I pass away, five years after that, I will not be known. And that's normal. Where with your family you're always known, they are what matters. And I hope someday to have grandchildren and connect with them. Because what what you really realise when you get to my stage, 55, is that you don't realise how precious the moments you have with your children are when they're young, till they're older. And then you go, wow. That was an extraordinary time. I think that's one of the main reasons why grandparents are so attentive to children because they realise you don't have them for very long.
1: I, I actually, uh, you're saying that, uh, as a father, when I first became a father, uh, it was a, a good friend turned to me and like, he's a really busy guy like you, uh, you know, works long hours and everything. And uh, he, he said to me, he, like, looked me straight in the eye and he said, before you become a father, realise how precious the early years are. And I I took that on board. And, you know, there's necessities in life you have to do, isn't there? You you can't not do. But when there's a choice, spend a bit of time with the kid or, you know, do something else. It's always with the kids. Yeah. What
2: would you have? Yeah, well,
0: you don't get it back, do you? That's the other thing. No, well, the time yeah. doesn't come back and that's the real one. So you either take advantage of it and, you know, enjoy it when it's there, because there isn't a second chance at it. You can earn money again later. You can, you know, get your health back or whatever if you stop exercising. But if you don't spend time with the kids or you don't spend time with your loved ones, that's it. You, the chance is gone. Yeah, time if you said gone. to
2: me, what's my favourite smell? It's Johnson and Johnson. You know the baby. <laughs> yeah, Johnson yeah, Johnson. Yeah. You know, the it, when I smell it, it's like it just takes you back. It just takes me back to washing the kids, rubbing their arm them, that touch, it's just oh my god.
1: Yeah, a baby it's smell. Great. You got it all to come, as you got it all to come oh, I know,
0: I know, yeah. I don't have kids currently, but uh, you know, watching Get JC go, and, and his yeah. girls yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: clocks ticking,
0: clocks <laughs> ticket. <laughs> <laughs> it's next on the list. It's on the to do list.
1: Roy, up. I've got a handful of people uh, that I would say are dependable. I think that's the right word. Uh, like uh, my brother, uh, my dad was one. Uh, you guys, uh, you, Roy, are one of those people that I know I can call anytime, day or night, uh, with any little or big problem. And you're dependable because you're not someone that I can just talk to and offload. You're someone that can be right point in that direction, right? Pull your shit together. And you've been there at times for us, right, that has really saved us in that sense. And, uh, but one of the more uh, recent times, I asked you uh, for some advice and you said, uh, is probably the most sticking piece of advice I've had in recent years about being positive to everybody, basically kill it with kindness, be positive to anyone. And I remember that day having a, a shift in my mind, uh, a bit like what you say, pointing in a different direction. And uh, I don't know if you recall that. Do you remember that? I do,
2: Jay, but, but it's something I do in my life. So I've got, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, absolutely not. And I've got, I wouldn't call them any, I've got people that don't follow. And uh, The path that I believe, both as a sport, or as a coach, or as a a, a, a director of a business, but I don't take it personally, today because they've got a different opinion. And in my life, I've had some difficult situations where people have worked materially against me, um, and at a, at a very personal level, trying to undermine me. And I've never, I, I, I've there's been points in my time where I've actually sat back and went, I'm going to give all this up. This is, you know, this is this is too much. It's, it's taken too much of a toll on my my, my personality is taken too much toll on me but I realised that that's life Jay particularly when you're successful in life and what I do is I don't waste my time fighting the negativity I prepare I prepare and prefer in building rather than breaking so when somebody is trying to break me down I pretty much of the time, I ignore that. And I continue to do what I do and the positive aspects of what I do to build the things that I believe in. I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm saying that I continue to focus on the positive and the building. And by that, I don't turn around and be negative towards JC or towards ads or poor, poor, poor Mickey Mouse. I allow them to behave the way they behave. And I think people see that in their culture. People see that even the people when they're trying to knock you down at meetings or in some, you know, In the background if you don't go in that way people actually and it's a much harder route to take but it's the best route and in the end when you come out of it you're stronger you can look at yourself in the mirror and say i did it this way and i haven't tried to you know affect anybody because i don't expect everybody to agree with me i don't demand that everybody agree with me and there are people working against me but that's life that's the nature of the game and i don't take that as a negative they just don't like the way i do what i do or the way i'm traveling and I don't spend time trying to cut them down. And what they do, and what, what I think is, is, is silly of them, is they try to cut you down. And they're not, they're not building up their credibility. They're not building up their position. They're not building up their portfolio. And by trying to knock you down, they're actually empowering me because I'm not trying to knock you down. I'm building. I want to build that house. I'm not going to knock your house down. I want to build a bigger, brighter, beautiful, more beautiful house for everybody. And people see that because people aren't stupid People see who is trying to do what they're trying to do and the reasons behind that. And they see when someone's trying to undermine, oh, JC, blah, 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 blah. When you're saying that to me, my subconscious, so I'm going, hmm, hmm. When I leave you, are you going to say the same about me? You now, they the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. That's the way you've got to live your life. And, and do stay positive, even with the people that are negative to you. Because they, it, it, it shows your character. It shows your true gear, and it's 10 times harder than fighting them, but it's the right path.
1: Yeah, I love the house analogy, uh, Roy, of building your house bigger than those. I, I, I really like that. Uh, have we lost Roy
0: for a second there. I think oh. he's just frozen. I just frozen. lost you there. Oh. He's there? Yeah, we got you
2: Yeah, we got Are you okay? yeah, we got back. Yeah, I was just saying. got <laughs> yeah, you, that year, yeah. I oh, yeah,
1: was wicked. Uh, I love the house. I love analogies, like you said, a bit like quotes and affirmation. I love the ha- the house building. Uh, quite often when we chat, I think the last few weeks, maybe I've brought a bit more uh, to unload on ads. Uh, I've been uh, bringing <laughs> bringing the, bringing the uh, for a better word the shit. Uh, but I, I could go like down a right rabbit hole with ideas and that right now. As uh, is there uh, is there uh, uh, stuff that you wanted to out, Roy?
0: Well, yeah, so actually, Roy, last week, we were discussing the idea of having a guest on. Uh, that was the first week we kind of mentioned getting someone else in, having another set of eyes. It was actually me that said that I'd really like to have you on. Uh, partly because I thought during this whole COVID thing, it's probably the one time you've got a spare minute uh, that we could pull <laughs> you away from things. Uh, but secondly, it's I think your story has been really interesting. Uh, and this isn't necessarily a martial arts podcast, but we're all martial artists, all three of us. It's how, uh, how we know each other. But I found what you were saying earlier about going from being a competitor and like Jason said, knowing you as a fighter to now someone who you put a lot of your energy into giving back to other people. And that kind of, I, I've called it a hero's journey. It's like how you go from being the warrior who's kind of solely looking out for oneself and achieving things for yourself to now trying to give to the next generation. I'd love it if you could talk on that process a little bit, how you kind of, so how for me, that's changed.
2: its I, I always set myself goals because I'm quite goal driven and I set myself schedules and I pretty much, most of my life led to that schedule. So. As a prime example, in 2002, I resigned from, from training, from fighting. So I won the WACO Championships again, got my gold. I was at the top of my game. That year, I won the World Cup Grand Champion. I won my division, and pretty much I was unbeaten. Roy, is that, was that
1: that year? Sorry to interrupt. Was that 2002 when you and Peter were in the final? Uh, no,
2: 2002. That was 2001. That was 2001. The,
1: I can remember dad turning to someone else and they were putting bets on who would be in the open weight final. And uh, my dad turned around and said, Oh, it'd be the two oldest guys, it'd be Roy and Peter. And the other guy with him uh, wouldn't bet with my dad because uh, he agreed. And yeah, the two oldest guys at the tournament were in the final. Yeah. Sorry so so
2: I, I had got to a point in my life where I had said, Right, I'm winning everything I'm winning. And I've seen a lot of fighters trying to hold on to the gold and in life you've got phases in life and and i'm kind of the type of guy that kind of knows my limitations and i know the phases and i try and go for those phases because you can put too much stress onto your life and onto your, your your relationships and onto to everything so in 2002 nobody believed after the the, the waco championships that i was stopping everybody thought i was trying to mind melton you know, because I was saying, oh, he won this. And that, that year I'd, I'd beaten um, through in the grand champion final of the Simac World Cup two seconds ago. And he only mentioned it on Saturday when we were training, I kicked him in the head with two <laughs> seconds to go and I won. Yeah, And I was lucky because Gru is an incredible fighter. Look, look. Um, so I, I kind of set myself that I'd stop. And I did stop. I never fought again. So my last fight was in 2002 at the Walker Championships. I got my gold and I walked away. I had always wanted to focus on, on sports politics because I, I I, had got to the point where I was in the Waco board and I knew that is where I could materially make fundamental changes to my sport that had given me so much. So I had set a set. My my objective was become more influential, build up the Irish Open, get get people to know me more. Uh, because in Wacko, I was, I was known as an incredible fighter. I was known on the, the Wacko board, but I still wasn't what I would call one of the shifters in, in, in the sport, one of the kind of strategists. Yeah? So I'd be known as a good promoter, good fighter, a very good coach, but not, not, not within sports politics. So I made the decision that I would try and uh, build out my profile in that area. And I worked very closely with Eno Falsoni and Boris Slav and Richard Lair and Espen Lund. And I, I, I volunteered my services for anything they needed. So I did this, I did that, I did this. And I built up my credibility as somebody that could do stuff and get stuff done. And that gave me an opportunity to then build out and become the, vice president, the first vice president of WACO Europe, then the president of WACO Europe, vice president of WACO, and eventually the president of WACO. And I kind of had the same journey in my job. I started off, I mean, when I was 14 years of age, I was doing three jobs. I was chopping wood. I was working in a bar as a lounge boy, and I was working in a chipper at night, frying fish. Because I had to work, I had to make money. Um, And I have kind of set myself stepping stones at all stages, and I've been quite lucky in my life that I've got to a senior position in my job, and it's the most senior position in kickboxing. But in the end, I always say to people, when you become the president, there's only one way you can go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just—I
1: was just going to say, like, when you're saying all of these things, it's—it's it's actually no different, is it? The to the fighting because when you get to the top and you're on top of the podium and you've won, there's no, there's only one way to go. It, it is your outlook. They, they did nothing change in Roy Baker except you just stop fighting and you just carried on doing what you're doing in No, I was, I, was
2: still a, I was still a scheduler. I was still very dedicated. I was still very focused. Um, but my focus shifted, Jay. I think that's, that's something that's really important in life. Because if you have one constant focus for too long in your life, and I'm talking about, say, two decades or three decades, it could be disruptive. Um, and it could be, um, be, yeah, it can be, yeah, it could be really disruptive to your mental health. It's very important that you take multiple journeys in life because we, none of us know where we're going to end up in the end. Um, I never thought, I really, really never thought I was going to be president of a world, an Olympic World Federation. I never thought I'd be director of a, a FTSE 20 company. And These aren't boats. These are just things like a young man from Valley Firmish. I didn't expect these things to happen. But the one thing I do have, and if you talk to anybody that knows me, um, within kickboxing, outside kickboxing, it's an extraordinary work ethic. Um, and I had the same work ethic as an athlete. I wasn't a natural athlete. I used to look at, uh, you know, uh, Nikos Memos. I used to look at uh, my parents. I used to look at Corey. I used to look at Steve, uh, James Winsper, um, Matt Winsper. I used to look at these people as a stupid Irish lad, and we didn't have great martial arts in Ireland. And I used to look and be in awe of them. You know, I used to look at Neville Ray kicking, and Peter Edwards fighting, and Kevin Breart and Alfie Lewis, uh, Richard Plowden, I, uh, Pedro Xavier, all these people I used to look and go, boy, I didn't, and inside I'm going, I'll never be able to compete against them. But my work ethic allowed me to build, 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 fail, 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 fail and then starting to win. And everybody remembers the Roy Baker, the world champion, the Roy Baker, this, but they forget about the 15 years I had busting my butt to get to my first bronze medal, like my first bronze medal. My first bronze medal is sort on of the wall, and it was in 1988 was my first medal. I started competing in WACO at world level in 1982, you know, so it took me six years to get my first bronze and it took me another two years to get my first gold. Oh, we froze again it was it was it was it was my work ethic yeah, yeah it's not yeah. My, it's not my skills jay i'm not i'm not super intelligent i am certainly not gifted as an athlete but i'm a strategist and i i did a i did the zoom seminar with uh, timmy and uh, toby from germany at the weekend there was a hundred people on it and i kind of and Nikos memos at the end of it came and he and he made a speech about me and so did drew actually and Nikos said he said even today I've never met a fighter that could analyse somebody as good as Roy Baker in the first round. He said, You will go out against Roy in the first round, and for the first minute, first minute and a half, you'd be popping away. He said, But I guarantee you, round two and round three, he destroys you. No, my dad used
1: to say, Roy. You well, should say, I can, I can remember, I can picture it like it was yesterday. We were standing next to each other in Best Fighter at the side of the area in Piacenza, and he nudged me and he Bloody done it again. You should kick everyone in the head. And you yeah. weren't even a kicker. No. And he'd be like, Jay, he's done it again. And you just kick like, Corey in the head, or like you said, Nikos, or it's like, yeah. he's
2: done it again. You just kick him again. Yeah. And it's funny, Nico said the same thing. So we were fighting in the European final. And it was about eight seconds to go, and Nikos caught me a kick in the head, and he was one point up. And my coaches at the time were Gary Kelly, and I think it was I, I think it was Dave Dave Heffernan was in the back, and I turned around, he caught me a beautiful kick in the head, because Nikos is the best kicker I've ever seen, better than anybody that's out there today, because his precision, like lots of people go, blah 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 but Nikos's precision was just extraordinary, immense. and power. So he kicked me in the head. And i was crooked around him. My coach go, bruh, bruh, bruh. I said, I'm okay. I'm okay. I knew there was eight seconds left. I walked back, Jay, and I dropped my hands. And, I, and he was so excited. He thought he could get another point on me. And he ran in. I have the video here. He ran in, came in with a beautiful head kick to my head. I just leaned back and went, hook kick. So I was able to kick the kickers. Because I didn't have the flexibility, but I had very elastic legs. So when I kicked, it was not... It was a, a really strong, really focused. But, uh, you know, part of that's luck. If, yeah, on that day, if Nikos hadn't remained calm, dropped out with a sidekick, set himself, then I would have lost. And that's life. And sometimes I did lose against him and lost against lots of people. But it's the moments where you set and, and you, 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 you understand where you are and you remain calm. And that's the same as we were talking about the dark spaces. When you realize that darkness is coming in. And it comes into everybody. Anybody that says it doesn't come in, is talking crap. When the darkness comes in, that's the moment where you need to talk to somebody. That's the moment where you need to pick up your phone. That's the moment where you need to give your kids a hug. Because that simple thing can shift a mindset. And I'm really passionate, Jay, because of many other people in my life. I'm really passionate. If I see somebody with their head down in the canteen, I think, I go, how are you? How are you, Jimmy? Those things today. And that little trigger can change the whole mental approach. Mm. Just to take that, that negative, what I call kind of freight train, and just that moment stop can shift everything. And that's, that's kind of the same in kickboxing, in work, in life, and in here.
0: I guess with whatever you do, you can draw parallels, can't you? So whether it be fighting or working or family life, uh, it all draws parallels in terms of hard times, good times, uh, I guess that's what the martial arts gives a lot of us. It it's gives you exposure to hard times that you can then apply to other areas of life.
2: As what I, what I say, Jay is fed up hearing me saying this, and it's something that I repeat year in, year out. What all combat sports give you is resilience. And the biggest challenge we have in society in the future isn't COVID-19. It's mental resilience of our kids. Because our kids are living on Instagram, living on Facebook, living on TikTok, living on Snapchat for all these 30-second rushes. And everything has to be funny. Everything has to be white. Everything has to be perfect. And we all know that's not life. And my biggest worry, and I swear to you on my integrity, my biggest worry for the human race is resilience and our ability to handle negativity, to handle failure. And to handle life, because in everybody's life, there is negativity and there's moments where it's dark. And I'm worried for the next gen. I'm even worried for my daughter's generation. My daughter's 23 and my son's coming 19 in in six weeks. I'm worried for their generation because I see it in my students, the lack of resilience. Um, but I'm really worried about the generation under them, the 12 year olds to the six-year-olds, and then the six-year-olds down to the two-year-olds. I'm worried about their coping mechanisms. And I think that's one of the real big benefits that kickboxing, karate, taekwondo, all the combat sports give our children is that resilience that you will get knocked down and maybe knocked down hard, but you will bloody stand back up and you'll step forward. And Jay, I know you hear me saying that in all my speeches, but I honestly, honestly, honestly believe it because I see it in my kids. I see it in my students. And that's why I coach because I'm a volunteer coach. I don't get paid at all. I'm a not-for-profit organization. I take no money out of it, the same as the Irish Open, because I'm successful in my life. I don't need to. And why I coach, I've coached tonight. I came on here at half seven because I had a session with my kids today. I told Jay. And I coach and I teach because I see it. And I'll give you a little story. And if they listen to this, they'll know this is true. So at the Irish Open, all my kids help out. I mean, everybody, everybody. Hundreds of people helping out. And on the Saturday night after the, the nighttime show, we pick up the mats. And we bring the mats back over to the arena. And Jay will tell you, I pick up the mats the same as everybody else. I'm not the president. I'm not anything. I'm just a bloody worker. So I pick up the mats and we all go back over and we're relaying the surfaces for, for Sunday morning so we can start again. And one of the parents came over to me and said, and I swear to you, this is exactly what he said. He said, "Why, what you give my kids is invaluable. I told him, Okay, thank you. He said, no, you don't realise it. He said, look at every one of them. He said, you didn't have to ask them to do that every one of them are down on their knees, putting down mass after a 15 hour day. And he said, so the, what you give my kids, they love you and they're scared of the life of you, but they're scared of the life of you in a good way because they're the coach. And he said, but what you give them? He said, look at them down there. He said, they're all walking around. There's maybe about 20 kids and literally 20 kids of between 12 and 16 years of age, And they're busying around like little, like, like, like ants." And he said, really? And, and it doesn't happen often. He said, really? Thank you so much for what you give my kids. And it's those moments that you just go, Yeah, I'm doing something right. I'm yeah,
1: doing I'll, something right. The same thing as I think it was last week was as uh, about I call those moments not necessarily the receiving of positivity, but there's those moments where you, that you just capture life as moments of clarity. But they're yeah, unconstructed,
2: I, Jay. They're, yeah. they're 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 they they just happen, they're not constructed no, in, a minute, no. in, a, yeah. in a real conversation. There's just a moment where a parent felt compelled to say to me, thanks right yeah. this parent would bring his, his daughters two daughters to me four times a week and I because they're elite yeah they're, at, they're, they're, yeah they're they're wacko medalists so I pushed them hard but he, he wanted to come over to me and say thank you now they say thank you different times but this was completely out of context just say yeah. thank you what you and his, his words were what you give my kids is invaluable and when you get those moments you just go everything else is irrelevant
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. because I love my kids. I just I I I, I get emotional and you know what the older I get the more emotional I'm becoming. Yeah. I get emotional with my kids because I love them. I'm on my fourth generation. I'm teaching since I'm 18. Mm. In the one club. Mm. You know, so the one club I'm over thirty years in the one bloody club teaching. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I absolutely love it. And when I when I start my job at six o'clock in the morning and I finish at five o'clock and I go to my class at six o'clock and I finish at half nine, lots of people go, Jesus Christ, you must be knackered. It's the opposite. When I get in there, it's It's like someone puts a battery in the back of my neck. (laughs) Right, let's go, let's go. It just fulfills me, and and, and my family know that. It absolutely fulfills me. Coaching, coaching fulfills me more than any other part of my life, excluding my family. Coaching absolutely fulfills me. When I see the, the timid little kid coming into me at five to six years of age, and I see... The competent, capable, confident, articulate, resilient kids I have when they're 12, 13, 14 years of age, I'm, like, gone. And not just because of me. No, because no, Because of no. parents, because of the environment, because the of my friends. Yeah, you know, because they're, a lot of my kids pal with each other, yeah? And Mark Smith, who's a key part of my 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 club and a key part of someone that helps me every bloody day in my life, <sighs> Mark always tells me it takes a, a village to rear a child. Yes. It's no one person. It takes a large community of people within the vicinity of the child that would make that child what that child's going to be. But the I
0: village needs a leader.
2: In
1: arts. Say again? The village needs a, needs a leader,
2: though. Yeah, and, 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 and a leader that's not a leader by choice, it's just a leader as consequence. Um, in a lot of parts of, and, and a lot, lots of people think I'm not speaking the right thing, but I don't need to be the leader. I'd, I'd prefer to be the second lieutenant to Borislav Pellovich because I like doing the work I like in the background I like getting all the stuff done when you're the president you've got a lot more politics to deal with um, and you've got to be more political in the way you move things Where you're the, when you're the vice president and you're kind of the, the general secretary you just go Get when you're the president you've got to find <laughs> movements yeah. but politics is in every part of our life it's in your relationship it's with your children it's with your kickboxing it's with life and it's with yourself you politic yourself, you know. You've you've got the, your internal demons that you've got to deal with, and you've got your own kind of wishes and wants that, that have to be prioritized or deprioritized. I've got yeah. two more things. As I'm
1: going to steal this show, I've got two more things steal, I want to. I really want <laughs> uh, well, uh, <laughs> to. Ask, you have to let as ask. Your question. <laughs> No, All right, as, go on. Go on, as, on. Uh, I've got, I've got, I've
2: got one. Game. This isn't your counselling session, Jay. I'm sorry. i <laughs> um, <laughs> to you, son. Uh, I'm, I'm, to be honest,
0: I'm just l- enjoying listening to you talk, Roy. Uh, but you touched on social media earlier, and I thought you made a real good point about how, as generations are going on, we're raising kids that are just being exposed to these, like, pockets of perfect life, uh, and it's ruining, kind of, their outlook on what reality is. And then I think what I've noticed with people is they're afraid to fail because they don't see failure anymore. They just see people having these perfect little moments, these perfect videos. Perfect yeah, pictures. and they
2: want the moments more and more as, and they want more and more moments, which means that the gratification is, is, has to become more and more. So I, I have an analogy on, on, on drugs. Yeah, won't be everybody's favorite thing I'm going to say here now. But I believe that when you go into a drug and you begin on a drug, at step step one, and it might be one of the less the more acceptable drugs. Personally, I don't think there's any acceptable drugs, but it might be one of the more acceptable drugs. In my opinion, after periods of time, you don't get the same buzz for that. And you move on to step two. And for a while that fulfills you. But after a while, your body adjusts like it does for everybody. And then you go on to stage three. So they're very, you know, different gateways. And I think it's the same with society. Kids are now, you know. If you look at the statistics now about YouTube and Google and and look at TikTok, look at Snapchat, people's attention spans are getting less and less. And people's need for gratification is getting wider and wider. Now, when you have that coming, that's a very bad recipe because their need for more gratification is expanding and their attention span is shortening. So that means that what they're looking at they will only engage it within the next first 10 to 15 seconds. At the moment now on YouTube, it's six seconds. Yeah, that used to be 26 seconds, only four years ago. So if you don't capture them in that first six seconds, they're off looking for a different gratification. And if you take that into, into their lives and you bring that into their education or into their relationships or into their life, that's going to be very disruptive. Because they want, 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 without needing to work to get to the point where you get that gratification. Because for me, it's the work I put into something. And when I get there, that's where I get my gratification. And I was looking at, I, I use Goldcast, I look at Goldcast all the time. Yeah, all the time. And there was a young man yesterday um, that I looked at his, his, um, his speech and what he basically did the output of the speech was he was the tutorial for the college and he had lived loved, lived for that for quite some time. And he, he had heard that he was in the final three people for that. And he had sacrificed the, the previous 12 months to get that title. And he was standing up, receiving his pink ribbon, and he was saying, Thank you very much, everybody. But he just said, But hold on, guys. When I got it, I had that 15 seconds of euphoria. But now I realize I sacrificed my relationship. I sacrificed my family. I sacrificed my health, physical and mental. All of this for 15 seconds. So when you're on a journey, make sure that that journey isn't sacrificing the things that really matter. And I worry about that with society nowadays because they want, 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 want. And I know lots of kids out there go, "Ah, there's another guy, 55 years old age, he hasn't a clue. I worry for them. Because I won't be around twenty-five years from now, and I worry for them and their ability to cope with life, because life isn't lived on a screen. Life is life. Life is human interaction, physical. T- look, look at the physical touch element of our life now. We're all missing it. I'm missing going along and getting a big hug off JC Casper. I'm missing a hug off Neville Ray. I mean, I hug. I like hugging. I'm, I'm a hugger. Yeah, I, I miss all that. And that human interaction is a key part of my. Element of of me, and and I worry, I really do. As as you said, I worry about kids' ability to cope with life, because life throws, will naturally throw obstacles in our way, and the only way you learn to dodge obstacles, or to stand up after you fall down, is by falling down, is by dodging. So as a child, if you're not dodging, you're not falling down. You don't realise how to roll. You don't realise how to roll with the punches. I think I think we're going to be in trouble in the future unless something changes. Mm. Nice. Right
1: cha- changing the gist of it slightly we were talking uh, the other week I'm a man of uh, I'm not going to use faith. I think it's the wrong kind of word. I'm a man of belief, I've got my own beliefs. Uh, as is very much a man of science. I'm interested in to where you stand on this, uh, Roy, uh, as Roy Baker. <laughs> and my, my example is the phone. We were talking. The phone rings when you think about calling someone. So I said to As, uh, what do you make of? Oh, I've got to call Roy, and then suddenly the phone rings and it's Roy. And As turns around and says, it's a statistical anomaly. It's going to happen because. Of science, it's black and white. Whereas I'm a hippie, I'm a hippie, and I'm like, there's some higher spiritual thing going on. I, where does Roy sit with that?
2: God, that's a fundamental question.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is what he where does, is, he just throws questions yeah. like this. So, you where was? do I sit
2: with that? Yeah. I'm a skeptic believer, so I believe there's something out there, Jay. I believe there's an essence of power. Um, I, I do believe there's a divine entity. Um, but then the other part of me is saying, well, if there was a divine entity, how could kids at five years of age or six years of age get cancer? As if there was a divine entity, that wouldn't happen. So I am a believer, Jay. I was brought up a Catholic. My mother and father were very religious. I nearly, I I was very religious when I was a kid, Jay. I was nearly becoming a priest. Um, so I was very religious as a kid. That'll surprise a lot of people. Um, mm. But I, I, I'm a believer in life and I'm a believer in do good and whatever happens, good will come back to you. So my, my feeling on life is do unto others as you would have, do unto you. And whether there's somebody out there, there's not somebody out there, Doing good affects nobody. I would only give you positively either in this life and in an afterlife, if there is one. I've got oh, one more thing I'd like to wrap up with, but As, do you want to go
1: first?
0: Uh, no no I'm I'm good take to your last point because we're coming up
2: on I got a question for you as Oh fun <laughs> So what in this interview has surprised you about me
0: Oh great question great question I don't know if I would use the word surprised uh I would probably say that I've been what is the wow see now i've lost lost the word that I was looking for you you fulfilled my expectations of you because i've not we've obviously not spoke much I've seen you at tournaments, and I'm sure I've shook your hand a few times uh here and there, but we've never been able to have uh, a conversation but I knew just from what I knew of you because I remember the first time that I found out that the Irish Open was non profit uh and I just thought what kind of man uh does it take to be able to I just know the Amount of shit you have to go through to get that event pulled off. My whole team, the team, the team. But nonetheless, you're part of uh, of that team and and head in the reins. Uh, I knew without speaking to you, the kind of person you must be that you can you can deal with all that stuff. So uh, I've been pleasantly surprised that you are exactly who I thought you were going to be. Uh, if I was going to say anything, would surprise me. Uh, it's that I, I for some reason would pin you down to be a, a man of. Faith, but I don't know if I'd call it a religious faith. So may, maybe you were right with being, saying you were a sceptic.
2: Yeah, so I do believe, but I'm a sceptic believer. And I know that's, yeah. a, <laughs> that's a contradiction, but yeah, I do believe, because um, I really hope I will get to see my dad again, my mom again, um, Tony again. So there's people that I hope there's something out there where I get to see them again and, and not have a point, because I'm unique as an Irishman, I've never drank alcohol in my life. But I'd like to sit with no, people. There you go. That surprised me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I really do hope that I get an opportunity, particularly to see my dad again and to talk to my dad again in some form or shape. So that's, that's why I'm a believer because I, I really hope that can happen.
0: Nice. Jay, last point, right, but, wrap well,
2: up. Before I wrap it up, I want to say uh, thank you, Roy,
1: not just for coming on the podcast, but thank you for being you and the time, like you were saying about the things that we're able to achieve. The, this year, uh, Cece, uh, my daughter, she, she won the Irish Open. And uh, when I'm uh, stuck in this whole situation the COVID-19 and I'm you know, missing the competitions and I'm missing everything else, I've got a picture on my phone and uh, basically I think I'm more excited than her when she wins, wins the championship. She's obviously excited. But,
2: yeah, but uh, don't forget, JC, when you and I have our conversations, when I have it with Neville or I have it with somebody else, that means a lot to me. They help me too. They reset me as well yeah because there's stuff going on in my mind when you're talking to this stuff and i go what am i talking about here yeah you know so it resets everybody so it's a it's a there's a symmetry there that that helps everybody and there has to be that symbiotic relationship that helps everybody because if anything is one-ended it won't survive Mm -hmm. and that's what we've survived over decades so I look at that picture and it's like,
1: yeah, just thank you for giving us the opportunity to have that opportunity and, you know, who, who you are. But this is my question, Roy. Uh, what's the meaning of life? Sum it up for us. Uh, you probably answered <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> what's the meaning you. of life? <laughs> 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 give because, me a second. Just
1: give because me Because the reason I ask is, it, it's something that crosses my mind every single day. It's conversation that I had with my dad. It's conversation I had with well, my mum. The mom. meaning
2: of life for me, is to be in a place when I'm, I don't intend to do more than two terms at the Wacko president, so that's eight years. Yeah, so I'll be, I'm 55 now, I'm going into my first term. So I'll be 63, Jay, uh, at the end of it in WACO, when I will retire. Um, so the meaning of life for me, Jay, is to sit back at 63 years of age, watch my two children who are personally fulfilled. It doesn't mean they're financially fulfilled, um, fulfilled through sport but they themselves as human beings are fulfilled and happy in their life Um, to see the sport that i love having progressed under my leadership and to see my family healthy and happy jay that's the meaning of life it's not about big houses big cars big watches and being the president of a world federation it's about being fulfilled and you have people in life that can be fulfilled like my, my 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 dad was fulfilled um, I believe my dad held himself back for family, uh, but my dad was fulfilled by his family. And um, he was a very happy and content man. So to re- the happiness and content for Roy is sitting back, his family is healthy, his family is happy. The sport has developed under his leadership and he sit back on a nice beach somewhere in the winter where it's nice and warm with his crickly bones and is happy in, in his achievements in life. But I don't want to continue this journey for a long time because it's disruptive, it's difficult, um, but I have my set goals, I have a journey I want to take. So that's for me. I'll repeat myself, Jay. The meaning of life for Roy Baker is personal fulfillment. And personal fulfillment for Roy Baker is to see his family healthy and happy and not just my immediate family but my brothers and sisters and their kids because in the end all you've got is family and i said that earlier in the interview and then the second part is to feel fulfilled with my students achieving my federation achieving and Waco achieving because they're all that's my life you know i don't have life outside that i don't drink i've never done drugs i coach a lot i teach a lot i work a lot so they're the things that fulfill me and and the meaning of life is personal fulfillment and to different people, that's different things. So some people, it's drugs. To some people, it's Facebook. To some people, it's, it's a career. Um, but for me, it's to have a balanced life where I get to fulfil um, the needs of my family before the needs of my Baker. Oh,
1: thank you, Roy. I feel very fulfilled with this conversation. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to be smiling. But can
2: I just long. say, Jay, um, just, and I want this in the, in the recording. I am not perfect. <laughs> I am so far from perfect. I make so many mistakes in my life, some fundamental mistakes in my life. But from those mistakes, I try and learn. I try and become a better person. And I'm always trying to be a better person. And I'm not always that person I want to be. And it's understanding when those moments are happening where you're not the person you want to be to stop and say, hey, think twice here. Or don't do that. Or don't try and affect him. Or don't try and do this. Don't do that. That's not positive. That's not a growth mindset. You're trying to destroy something. It's irrelevant. Move on. And I still fight those demons, Jay. I still fight those demons. So I don't want this to be, oh, Roy is great. Roy is this, Roy. Look, he's got his shit together. Just many, many times I don't have it together. And and it's just to understand that and reach out to my friends to help me because there is nobody on this planet can stand alone. We need our friends around us. And we need that community, that family that enables us to, to deal with those dark moments. And they do come for all of us and they will come in the future.